So yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down. Uh, I've enjoyed your work uh, for a while now. And, Thank you uh, very much. We've been like, you know, Twitter, Twitter friendly for a while, but, yeah. uh, you know, this, this, this podcast has been a good way for me to sort of like reach out, just kind of get to know people better. So cool. I think um, just uh, first off, uh, I, I tend to ask people this is, when you, if you have free time, when you have free time, uh-huh. uh, what what do you do to occupy that free time lately, if you have it? It's like less and less now, but I don't know. Mm. Even when I did have free time, it's like I, I hate to say that I I play video games and I watch TV shows. Like like what a boring sure. answer that is, right? But like that uh, is not a boring answer at all. No. Uh, right. uh, what 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 do you what do you what 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 games? Oh man, um, let's see. I I still am making my game time every now and then. Um, lately, it's been Monster Hunter, and uh, we've gotten into mm. Final Fantasy fourteen in my house. Ah, <laughs> um, I see. It's uh, I've never really gotten into MMOs before because I don't like how they play generally. Okay, I I'm not a fan of the uh, click couple buttons in rotation, and it's just like you do your part. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's not really reaction based. Like FF14 does have enemies that do AOE attacks, so you do have to like move out of range of stuff every now and then. But in general, I'm sure. much more of an action headed kind of player. You know, um, so the gotcha. ga- the gameplay does not grip me at all. But what does grip me, and what has gripped me during these past few months, is um, the fact that I can interact with people in my house you know mm. <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> which might be like less of a a problem in the coming weeks but just over the past um over the past month or so being able to like there there are clubs in final fantasy 14 <laughs> as as cool as okay. that sounds but it's like um you know people you can buy houses and you can buy apartments in 14 and uh then what people are doing is they're setting up clubs essentially with bars and bartenders and and uh like djs and all that stuff um they're setting them up and then they put out uh, a call on this thing called the the party finder where i think it was originally made for people to find other players to run dungeons with but then now what people are doing is, is they're putting up advertisements for their bars and then you find their bar and you go there and you you just talk to people and it's like wow it's extremely cathartic for the um uh pandemic addled mind to be able just to like meet a stranger even if it's it's essentially just a chat room right or or twitter yeah yeah but it's just like you 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 meet someone and you talk to someone and you say oh i like your outfit and oh how is your day going and it's it's you know extremely benign conversations like that but like man i'm i'm the kind of person where i um i need people like i need to talk to people i need to to just sure. meet people even if they're not sticking around in my life it's just like i like i i like meeting people and hearing about them like that's just mm. it it makes me happy to to hear about a life that is so different than mine you know because i guess it's so easy to get wrapped up in your own that it's, just, it's nice to be yeah. reminded that other people live in different ways um and so i've been basically playing 14 the way someone would be playing second life which is just i was about to say it's just like fantasy second life <laughs> that's all point. it is it's like i really i do not care about the gameplay i do not care about the story mm. i do like making outfits um like i like it, it's like a little fashion simulator with a uh chat room in it for me but it's enough 
Uh, so I've been enjoying that. And then, so is that primarily what you're doing then? Is just kind oh, of yes. shooting the shit with people? Yeah, I mean, like I play with a friend group, and they'll want to go run dungeons, and they'll complain that I'm not playing the game enough because I'm so far behind. And it's just like, look, if I was playing this game the way it wanted me to play it, I would have stopped already. So, it's like, <laughs> so that's just uh, that's my my Final Fantasy life. Well, what's been one of the most, I guess, or one of the most memorable conversations you've had with a stranger in uh in one of these bars? Oh, um. You know, they, they do these things in some of the bars called auctions where basically you auction yourself off in, on a stage okay. in front of a crowd. And I think for a lot of people, it's um, it turns into like erotic role playing. You know? uh, OK, I but, was about to say. Right. All which right. is also why we started going to these bars was because we wanted to just go and like people watch and just like see what people do in these kind of places. Right. Um, and we started finding. Sure these uh we started finding these auctions and um people will spend huge amounts of in-game money uh just like you know millions of dollars on people who are advertising themselves as like sometimes they'll say you know i'll, I'll run dungeons with you or i can craft things that um like anything uh. you want that kind of stuff but then some people are like i'm open to cuddles and maybe a little more teehee you know <laughs> which is interesting all in text form oh of course it's all in text <laughs> yeah um, mm, got it. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh huh. But you know, I mean, to each their own, I guess. Uh, but they'll they'll spend sure, lots sure. and lots of money. And there was a girl that I watched the other night go for just like a ridiculous amount of money, and um, mm. it was like great for her. I don't know why some people go for more than others. I guess. But um, I, I had met up with her then the night after in another place and asked her how it went, and like she really hit it off with this person that bought her for this crazy amount of money and they spent all night talking and now they're getting in-game married um, in, in wow. next week and stuff. And I guess romance can blossom in such a place, right? Like it's 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 all, you know, online and it's all chat rooming kind of stuff. But it's just interesting that I think, um, you know, people really, uh, they fall in love with their own characters and they can really, it's, even though I, I have a limited amount of time I spend in these places, it's just eye-opening to how really uh, it makes me understand the second life phenomenon when it was happening mm. a lot more. It's like, because again, I, I can only get so invested, but I remember when second life was so such a big thing. It was like people were losing yeah. their lives to it, right? There was all these news stories about like people are addicted and people just won't come out of the game and like their spouses are crying. And it's like, Jesus, like, how are people getting so into this? But like, after playing Final Fantasy for like a month, I'm like, hmm, maybe if I didn't have much it. else going on, <laughs> I could kind of see it. That's so interesting. Like the 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 idea of being like in game married, mm -hmm. like, and it makes me wonder how much, how often does it translate to like outside the game, right? right. Like, you know, it, it doesn't seem so odd to me as I don't know. I don't know if you know my my backstory uh -huh. of how I met my my wife, mm -mm. if you know are familiar. No. Uh long story short, for people who've listened to this podcast know. But I, I I have known my wife since uh uh high school from Mario fan fiction communities. Wow. So it's like so it's like you find you know for a lot of, a lot of people that I know, it's like it's not uncommon just Find, finding romance can blossom in <laughs> any sort of online field, right? I, uh, I would totally so believe I, I, that people would meet yeah. in this game and then chat for forever and then like get to know the real person on the other side of it and then meet up. 
like i don't there's i don't even think that's probably a rare thing anymore <laughs> like right. that people are, are yeah, i imagine that's pretty common, yeah, common. Right? yeah 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 i i have no experience at all with mmos and mm. it i i genuinely have no idea how they play so hearing you say that you have no interest in the gameplay that is interesting to me because so many yep. people get addicted to these things mm-hmm. but like for someone who is just uh just a complete dumb dumb when it comes to mmos <laughs> what do you do in an mmo like just basic combat is it you just like click a thing and they do a thing yeah like, well, I, so I don't, that's okay the way they're set up is i think they're originally they were made to allow um for every player regardless of like how beefy your computer was to play over a relatively low bandwidth connection right so you can't do mm. things that are too action based where you actually have to react to things happening and you have to hit things where they are because where like where an enemy is on your screen might not be where they are on the other player's screen because of the way latency works and stuff so the way it's all input based where you just say do this attack and then a timer runs out and then you can do your next attack and then that timer runs out and then you do your next attack so you, you do things that are called cycles basically which is just you have a, a list of moves that you do in order and you try and mm. keep doing that list and some of them are complicated so it'll be like your, your your one cycle will be like A, B, C, D, and then you'll go back to A, and then you'll have to do D, and then C, and then E, and then B, and then F. And so it's it's like a memorization game to, to maximize your damage output. But like, and some people, I don't know, I guess I could see how that could be addicting because it's really just, in some ways, it's a little bit of a rhythm game kind of aspect where it's, oh, you just, you're reacting okay. to things like that. But uh, for me, it, I don't know, it doesn't click just because i like i've been tag teaming basically final fantasy and monster hunter at the same time and every time i turn on monster hunter like it scratches that itch I'm like oh mm, video games <laughs> like like i have to do the right thing at the exact right time or i die and then in final fantasy it's it's just very much more i don't it's all menus i guess and it, i don't know it, it's uh, I, I don't want to disparage people that love it but it is yeah it's like pulling teeth for me you're more kind of like the the Twitch based, like kind of like oh reaction, yeah. go go for the weak point sort of thing. <laughs> right? It. Yeah, I gotta um, like I don't like necessarily games that are always hard all the time, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I do have to feel like I'm doing the right thing in the moment. And sure. with, with Final Fantasy, it, it you are, but you aren't. I don't know. You should give it a try. Like it's they have free trials that you just you hop on and you can see um if you like it it's like a free month and it it like Mm. it has its charm but the the gameplay is just not for me and i I think uh, the reason it is like that is kind of going back to what i was saying earlier where like everyone should be able to play it you know it's like um, sure there's lots of people that are not good at action games uh and i do not fault them for that right like they deserve to have their games that they can play where um you know they they can ease their way in and not have to dodge everything at the exact right moment and all that stuff it's like this is the, the reason why mmos are so big is because their barrier of entry is very low they're just very accessible um i see and, and that's and just, more yeah. so about getting stuff as opposed to the actual gameplay being super difficult right it's about it's all about loop. leveling up getting all that progression mm-hmm. yeah it's like getting your new yeah, armor getting your new weapons like you just you keep progressing in in uh increments and stuff like that and that's what that's what makes it engaging um 
but I don't know. Mm. I, I might be wrong. People might hear this and, and say, <laughs> oh, I love the gameplay. It's super engaging to me, but I, I feel like it's the least attractive part of the experience. Got it. Well, then, I guess sort of uh, going through it on a general scale here, mm. then, what are some of your favorite just video games of just in general? Like your your absolute, you know, gems of in the in the video game sphere. Maybe my favorite game of all time is a game that was on DS and 3DS that uh, I mm. don't think it ever, no, it didn't ever come over here. Uh, it was going to, it's called uh, Band Brothers, which is a rhythm game. Band Brothers, mm-hmm. okay, it sounds familiar. So it is the most bare bones presentation rhythm game you'll ever see. It's, um, okay. is this Daigasso? Yeah, yeah, Daigasso Band Brothers. Yeah, I've heard of this. Yes, yeah, so, okay. okay. Mm. It is um, like I'm rhythm games are my favorite games. Period. Just because again, they, like they they scratch an itch in my brain that just like it feels so good to push button at right time, right? Um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Band Brothers again, it's like it's so bare bones. You look at the screen, and it's and in a lot of ways, it's actually pretty ugly looking. Um, but it's uh, it's a scroll based thing where you know, like you see the buttons you're supposed to be pushing coming and you push them at the right time and yada yada, rhythm game Mm. uh, stuff. But where Band Brothers hits it just right is, so you have up, down, left, right, A, B, X, Y as your inputs for possibilities of of notes. And then you can also, you hold L and then up, down, left, right, A, B, X, Y, or hold R and all the face buttons and um, it, it switches from sharps to flats. So, oh, okay. So it like in most rhythm games, you have basically like like five, six, seven or so possible input combinations. Usually, right? Like in your Guitar Heroes and stuff right. like that. It's like you have like five frets or um, like pop and music. I think you have like it's, it's six or six or eight total. Like usually, that's like the max mm-hmm. range. But with Band Brothers, it, it's um, it's like sixteen. No. 24 right with all that eight times three right so you have 24 possible inputs that could be coming at you at any second and it's insane but when you get it right you feel like some kind of god that like you somehow managed to to hit l and switch over to r and go back to your flats and your things and it's just it 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 ramps up to a degree that is just mind-boggling and just when you hit it it feels so good and it's also all midi based so um any person oh, okay. can submit their uh beat map to the the actual in-game store and this is probably why it never came over here and why it only was able to fly in japan is because the the store in game is filled with copyrighted music but it's just ah, like okay. any game or any song you could ever think of is there to get um and so like i could get all my favorite like j-pop songs like as soon as they come out someone makes a midi map for it and it's up on the store and you buy it and uh and there it is and it's just uh man i don't think i've ever basically how beat saber is now then kind of how people make their own maps right exactly sort of thing mm, um got it yeah um but like rhythm games um it's been so long since a game like moved me and i think this is like a, a thing that comes with age maybe it's just you know you, sure. you see so much that um it takes something really special to kind of even register a blip on your radar uh-huh um yeah i don't know 
Uh, it's can you think of the last game that did that for you probably monster no no monster. um breath of the wild i think honestly mm, okay like i think that's yeah. a game that it's one of those ones where people talk about it so much that it feels a little trite maybe but it's like it really did do something mm. that i don't think i had experienced before that it was like sure it, just in the first hour or so um like, or once you get off that first plateau in the game and you climb your first wall and you realize that, oh, there are no invisible walls in this game, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like like th that flipped a switch in my mind where I just started going wherever I wanted to. And it's something that I don't like, even in open world games where you can't, you can't technically go where you want. It just felt different in Zelda for some reason. Like I think it all mm. comes down to that wall climbing aspect where in yes. a normal game you see a wall or you see a building or you see something that you know like oh that's the end of where i can go but in zelda it was just here's a wall it's impossibly tall but can i climb it are there enough little rocks for me to catch my breath in between that i can get all the way up and like i think when you're heading to the first like kakariko village or whatever the village is um the japan themed mm -hmm. one it's like the game is obviously telling you to go on this path through this winding uh canyon and i was just like nah i'm gonna climb this wall instead it's just like and i just found enough little footholds to get my um uh stamina back and i made it all the way up and i found uh, one of those big stone like tartarus creatures or something like that and it was like, mm. one shot it killed me and i was like i definitely wasn't supposed to go there but man that was really fun <laughs> like it just yeah it took the it, it took the binders off um your your brain about like what you could and and, and couldn't do and what you were supposed to be doing that just and it, yeah it really got its claws on me for a long time yeah it's constantly rewarding you like it makes you feel like you're you know breaking or hacking the game mm -hmm. almost right like doing skips but no the game is actively encouraging you to be adventurous and rewards you for mm -hmm. for doing so like i i always love hearing how different people's experiences with it are like yeah you know whether whether it's in what order they discovered the temples or or just how they found certain things you mm -hmm. know yeah it uh it truly was and just an incredible game yeah my, my yeah. wife was playing it right next to me um usually like you know in bed we would play uh, on our switches before we went to sleep sure and like I, I would look over at what she was doing and she was just like playing a completely different game than me somehow right <laughs> like like she was going where the game was basically telling her to go like along the paths and going to this village and i was just like often god knows where like doing god knows what um mm. and it was just really like we started at the exact same time but for however you know it worked out we just ended up playing it completely different yeah, it's really interesting. Now, uh, with uh, as time is going on, and you know, you maybe let let's say allowed to pursue other things outside of your home. <laughs> uh, what are you hope like? Are, is there any sort of hobbies or pastimes you're looking forward to when you're, you know, uh, given more freedom to venture yeah. out into the world. Oh God, I cannot wait for the gyms to open. Well, I mean, the gyms in California have opened back up, but we haven't gone back to them yet. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think our, yeah. our brains are quite there just yet. Um, sure. But that was, um, I guess, speaking of other pastimes that I actually do like, like I love weightlifting. Um, I have since high school. Mm. It's always been um, a hobby of mine. Um, and it has been the hardest thing about the quarantine, like 
easily uh, for me. Yeah. Like I can give up a lot of stuff. I can give up movie theaters and I can give up concerts and bars and all that stuff. Um, but but giving up the gym is like the the hardest mental blow that I've taken. Um, just be- sure. because I think it's for me it's it's this big weighted balance to how I live the rest of my life, which is just like work, 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 and sit. Like my work is requires me to just sit in a chair and stare at a screen and click buttons and and draw and do all that all day. And so this little bit of balance to that is that for an hour a day, I get to go to the gym and be as active as I possibly can. Mm. And like that swings that pendulum for me so that it like I actually have some kind of balance in what I'm doing with my body. Like it just shakes all the dust off. It just, it, it loosens up all my joints like um it it clears my brain uh like w- when i don't exercise i fall into depression really easily it's like there's just brain chemicals mm. whatever however my brain works like if i don't have that active element it's just it all shuts down um and so sure. you know i set up like a little home gym uh, I'm doing air quotes when I say that um, just on my landing uh-huh. where it's like I have a, like a little bar and I have uh, some weights and stuff, but I can't go above a certain limit or else it becomes too loud for my neighbors um, and also just too big mm. to fit the space. So it's like I have some stuff here that I've been keeping myself occupied, but it's like I can't lift heavy and I haven't been able to lift heavy for a year and a half now. And it's like that is uh, we actually we went to a a little beach vacation last weekend and the hotel had a gym that me and my wife went uh, and spent like mm. an hour and it was like, God, it was like opening the gates of heaven for me to walk into this, this <laughs> hotel gym and just like, but they had a bar that had more than 150 pounds on it, you know, so I could finally try and get some of my old uh, mojo back and just like for an hour, I was just in heaven in there. I was like, God please give me the gym again <laughs> did it uh, after i mean this may seem like a stupid question but after like a year or so how, how big of a difference did it feel getting going back uh into the gym uh getting to lift those weights as opposed to if you had kept up with it throughout like i mean did it feel like you had almost deteriorated or uh like, or what so i think Luckily, even though I haven't had the heavy, heavy weights here at home, I have been keeping up with just my routine. Uh, so I hadn't lost mm. too much. Like I, right before quarantine started, I just hit my my one time max on the bench was uh, 300, which was a goal that mm. I was just aiming for for a while. And I finally hit it. And then as soon as quarantine started, I was like, well, there goes that. Um, yeah. And uh, like... I have 140 pounds max that I can lift here at home, uh, but I've just been switching it out with more. <laughs> I hope I hope anyone finds this interesting, like anyone that is interested in exercise. But it's like there's two ways of working out, right? Which is um, uh, it, it's your reps and, and your weight balanced, right? So you can do less mm. repetitions with higher weight, or if you have lower weight, you just do more repetitions. Um, so that's what I've been doing. I've just been doing more repetitions and it's been keeping me alive. Uh, but you know, going mm-hmm. into the gym, I was able, or that hotel gym, it was like, things were fine, but I was not lifting 300 pounds on the bench anymore. And it's like, sure, sure. like for me, it's, it's really, I do the weightlifting now because it, it helps me work better. You know, like I, I can live mm-hmm. without being a big muscly beast or whatever like that like that's not my 
necessarily life goal, but when I do keep up my body stuff, it makes me work better. Uh, and so that's why it's so important mm. to me. So as, as long as I'm staying sure. active and as long as I'm um, not uh, disregarding my my health, like that's really just the most important thing to me. So uh, sure. it's been okay. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned like, oh, does anyone think this is interesting? For me, hearing anyone talk about shit that they're passionate about, that is always interesting <laughs> to me. Like, like seriously, like I... I uh, I'm curious as to sort of you said you were you've been you've been doing weightlifting since high school mm-hmm. is that right yeah uh, what sort of prompted the initial dive in was it just a recommendation by someone or was it mm-hmm. was it always like hey to help with my with art or what what, what was the it was the sort of impetus so I I grew up I was actually a really heavy kid up until uh, my last couple of years mm. in high school um, and I was you know kind of. Well, not kind of. I was a, I was a giant nerd. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of friends because I didn't know how to get myself out there. You know, um, like I went to, sure. to church every week with my family, and like that's where most of my friends were. But like mm-hmm. when it came to school, I just didn't get it. You know, I was just a kind of heavy set nerd um, with no like fashion sense and like a bad haircut and. Uh, that was just kind of my high school life. I mean, I'm sure, you know, for sure. many people, that's how high school was, but me too. Um, and then one day, uh, my friend Dan, who was one of my church friends, um, came to church and it was like noticing that he was, his arms were getting big and we just started talking about it. And he's like, yeah, there's a weight class at our high school that I didn't know about. Just, you could take mm-hmm. it as an elective. Um, but it's like, it's fun and you should do it. And I said, okay. Because, I mean, like, my other options were something like shop or some other boring thing. So, I was like, I'll do a weight uh-huh. class. Why not? Like, it's better than re- – oh, you could actually – you could sub your regular PE class with it, which is the big reason that I did Oh, shit. Because okay. nice. as, as a heavy boy, I hated running that track. Like, there is mm. nothing worse than making a heavy kid run track when they don't want to. <laughs> it's like – Sure, sure. It's just like, God, you get winded and everyone's passing you. It's like, all the things about high school that make you feel bad about yourself come to a head in PE, mm. right? And so, I was like, yeah. as long as I don't have to run, I'll, I'll take whatever else. So, I took this this gym class, which replaced my PE. And um, it's just – I think when you first start doing a little bit of it, after having no experience, it's like you, you shoot right up. Like you, you plateau soon, mm, but um, like you sure. immediately like just after like two weeks of lifting weights, you'll see your arms getting bigger. You'll see your shoulders getting wider. Um, and it's like, wow, that's kind of cool. Just as a, as like a, a control over your body uh, way of looking at it. It's like this, this thing yeah. that I didn't think I had much control over is like just after cursorily doing two weeks of this as a school assignment it's like I've noticed that I've changed mm. something about something that I didn't really think I could. Um, and, sure. and I think that's the addiction for most people in uh, like weightlifting and, and body transformation kind of stuff. It's just like your body um, until you try and take control of it, it just seems like this kind of thing that it just mm. does its own thing and you kind of deal with it sometimes. Right. Um, but it, right, it's, right. it's like, it's the idea that you can can take this thing and you can make it do what you want, even if it's hard work, is just uh, there. There's a a real addicting quality to that that you you see like you just see how far can I push it right? How much more can I do? How big can I get this part of me? And how small can I get this other part of me? 
Um, mm. Something to that that I think it's just it keeps you interested no matter how long you keep doing it because you can never really sure you can never really peak right like you you think you can't but like there are people that just do this for a living and uh it's never any easier for them and uh like you're just constantly chasing this this version of yourself that you may never even get to but it's that chase that makes Mm. it interesting like I would love to look like Spider-Man one day, man. But like, it's it's really hard for me to keep weight off. Still, like even now, um, sure. it's like I can build muscle pretty easily, but it's still really hard for me to to get skinny. And it's like I have this idea that in my mind is like, wouldn't it be cool if I just looked <laughs> like Spider-Man, right? And like, it, I may never get there, but the idea that I could keeps me chasing it. Yeah, because even if you don't, it's still just good for you. And, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. There's just, there's no loss to that. It's like uh right. it's it just keeps um keeps you going. And and again, yeah, it makes me be able to sit in my chair and work better by balancing it out um after hours. Mm, nice. Um now uh I like to actually um uh, let the guest uh have the opportunity to is there uh either a topic that you would like to bring up or a question for me you'd like to ask. And if not, don't worry about it. We can talk about other shit. But it's a common, it's something I like to offer the guests if they're interested. Uh, I guess, you know, when when you uh, opened the show up, um, yeah, you said that Mm -hmm. we've been Twitter friendly for a while. Um, Sure. um, But I actually have not been on Twitter like at, all over the past year or so um Mm -hmm. and i I feel like for for me i'm getting to this point where i don't feel um i feel like it's not like a place for for me anymore and i think you you probably have Mm. way more followers than me at this point um but uh i got to a point on twitter where i i felt like the reason why i loved it so much originally was i loved interacting with people um and i loved being able to talk to people uh because i felt like um because I felt like I was more down on, it felt more equal and even to me. Um, and I felt like yeah. if I talked to someone or if I disagreed with them, I, I could disagree with them. And that would be mm. fine. That would be part of the discussion. But I feel like now my interactions have to be positive or it elicits a firestorm in the direction of someone <laughs> that I don't necessarily want to be destroyed, right? But I also might not sure. agree with them. And like, but those are, that's my options, right? It's like, I have to either stay positive or just stay out of it. And so it gets to this point where it's like, well, now I just feel like I'm being disingenuous because like, Mm. there's no way I could say a hundred times, please don't attack this person I'm talking to, or, or please don't go after this. And it's just, nobody listens to that. Right. It's like, it, it, it almost seems like that in itself is a disingenuous statement because you know, people are going to do whatever they want. And, and people, if you have right. a lot of followers, um, they're going to follow you and they're going to like stick up for you and they're going to fight your battles for you. And so, I don't know, it just became this place where it's like, I don't really know what to do with this platform anymore. It's like when you, when you get to be a certain size, it's like, do you still get to interact with people in, in a genuine way or do you just have to leave it behind? Cause I don't know. I, I feel alienated mm. from it. Um, after especially sure. after the sonic movie stuff well, like because things really blew up then and uh i mean right. the the sega sonic stuff blew up in its own way but especially after the movie stuff it's like 
I feel like my my presence on Twitter became such that I just I didn't feel like I could be as open and, and normal and, and honest with people as I used to be. Sure. J- just because of the amount of people that seem to all of a sudden be agreeing with me on everything I said, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know even what I'm trying to thought I'm putting together here, but um, I, I guess for no, someone- I, 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 I get the gist, yeah. 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 Like, I guess, how, how are you feel about Twitter as, as you've gotten um, bigger and- uh, Sure. Like, do you still um, feel like you can interact with people on a genuine level? Are we talking about people we like that I know, or people that I don't know, or both? Um, maybe, maybe both. I think they're two different subjects, actually. Now that you bring it up, because I've always... uh, yeah, but I was wondering what you were referring to. Were you talking about people that you like, like strangers, or people that you know, like outside of Twitter, or even just on Twitter initially? I think broadly, I'm talking about everyone, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's worth stating that now that you you bring up the division, there, it's like you know, there there are people on Twitter that I've been friends with for years and years, but I even now find myself not talking to them as much because I don't want to have my conversation with them have a spotlight on it necessarily. Mm. Like sometimes I just want to say a little thing to a friend, but then I'll say a little thing yeah. to a friend and 50 people will like it. And I was like, well, like I, it's not that I don't appreciate that people are agreeing with me or, or liking the statement, but it, it just, it, I don't know. It puts this weird cloud over every interaction where it's like that wasn't supposed to be a performative statement right it wasn't something that i said for applause or or for approval or disapproval it was just i wanted to say something to a friend and it was supposed to be for them right (laughs) like but Mm. but there is no person to person uh contact anymore it's when, when you get to a certain size everything you say is in a way performative because it's going to be sure. performed. Sort of my experience with it is um, if we're talking about like, so I, I use Twitter very selfishly in that <laughs> I kind of, a lot of people say this, but I genuinely do kind of feel this way in that I don't really care if like, uh, with that said, I can't just tweet whatever I want. Right. right? Like, like you said, you know, uh, I think one thing that I have noticed for sure is like, let's say I don't like something. Mm hmm. Uh, like a movie that came out. Right. I don't necessarily put it out on Twitter, right? right. I'll usually just talk to my friends about it, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what it does is it invites just a bunch of people to be like, well, blah, 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 <laughs> right? Right. Um, so that's, that sort of stuff has changed for sure. Uh, I, as far if, if we're talking about engaging with uh, people I don't know on Twitter, mm. I actually almost never do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I think um, earlier on, you know, a long time ago, that would have been different. Where mm-hmm. I would have been more likely to respond to like um, someone I don't know, mm-hmm. a reply or whatever. But uh, these days, I pretty much don't almost ever. Right. Uh, and and I often uh, don't really. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't look at replies, but mm-hmm. I tend to not look at like everything. Right? right. I think I think that's just best for you know mental health. Right. But uh, as far as a platform to sort of meet other people. Mm-hmm. I find it's been useful to kind of start the initial meeting with people, right? right? Like or getting or just getting to know what a person's vibe is, what they're like and like is this somebody that I would like want to kind of get to know outside of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh because you know, I've made a, I've made some, you know, very very good friends, you mm-hmm. know, just initially just kind of following each other, but as 
I realize, oh, we have very similar interests. Or, oh, like, you know, oftentimes for me, it's like, if I if anyone is like, oh, you play board games? Because I'm, I'm a big board gamer. <laughs> right. It's one of my huge hobbies. It's like, oh, you play board games? Well, let's play sometime, you know. <laughs> right. And I, I think what's been helpful for me is that most of my socializing with, with people is going to be either in an in-person basis. Mm-hmm. And while well, during quarantine, that was tougher. Right. That was more Discord stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like Discord servers, Discord voice chats, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's going to be primarily where I interact with people. Whereas Twitter, as I, now I'm very aware that it is kind of like a public forum for right. people to just see, you know. But I, t- I try to not think of it as like, oh, this is performative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, t- I think... My general rule of thumb with online, my sort of online presence has been to just kind of be myself. And mm-hmm. I think that's what people respond to. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not, or I like to think anyways, I'm not, I'm not like a fucking phony baloney on right. there or on any, any sort of, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. even this, right? This podcast, I'm, I'm pretty much, this is what you get. Right. I, if you don't like it, that's fine honestly fine right <laughs> like it's okay mm-hmm. uh I, I i'm not super bothered by it and i think that's what has kept twitter fun for me mm-hmm. is that i've been un uh, stubbornly uncompromising on how i present myself and uh mm-hmm. do shit online i guess mm-hmm. but i think that's easy but that's also easier i think for someone maybe like me where uh i feel like with Maybe with like actors or something, mm. or YouTube people or whatever. You know, people kind of want to see your real personality, right? right. Like some people put upon personas, right? They put right. on like their their on self or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I tend if 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 someone acts like that on Twitter, I tend to be very put off. Like I right. not interested in you can, really, you can sniff it unless I I absolutely sniff it, and yeah. I have really no patience for it. <laughs> right, like I would much rather get to know just like you know what you are for real but um mm-hmm. but I, I think there's an expert there's a sort of a desire from the audience to like see that from let's say an actor or a youtube creator right whereas maybe you know someone in your position where it's you know you're you're known for you know your your work mm-hmm. or your art and you know it's not necessarily i mean it's something where you know sonic let's say let's say generally speaking like some people who are fans of sonic mm-hmm. and who are following you for sonic mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of them are very interested in the Sonic, and I, I'm sure some of them are, and a good number of them are also interested in your in your thoughts. But it also becomes this weird, you know. You'll see with a lot of um, people who become showrunners or people mm-hmm. become they where they just don't want to deal with the drama, right. right? Of the of a rising singular fandom, mm-hmm. right? You know, you you'll you'll see like uh, writers and storyboarders of shows who get attacked right. by their fandom because it's such a giant wall of people just watching you. Whereas I think for my audience, it's it's a mix, mm-hmm. right? Some people know me for voiceover. Some people know me for YouTube. Some people know me for just all sorts of different things. So it, it doesn't feel as overwhelmingly like, ah, yes, if you say something wrong about this, mm-hmm. all my audience is going to go after me. Right. I have found that, you know, people, fans that I've met at, like, conventions or even in person have been all relatively, like, chill, like, nice people that, like, don't know me for one thing and also don't, aren't going for my throat, right. <laughs> you know? Uh, they tend to, like, the people who do that are tend to not be 
following me or wanting to see my tweets anyway. I, I think um, you, so you, that may be a difference. Yeah. You, you honestly, you may have kind of hit something there that I hadn't really thought about was when I stopped being more open and candid on Twitter was right about the time where um, it was just very obvious that a large portion of the people following me were following me for one singular thing. And that was the Sonic mm, stuff. It's like before sure. that it was, you know, um, I was doing my own web comics. I was just doing my own stuff and my own stories. Um, and I felt like mm -hmm. my Twitter was an extension of me and th that people were there for me because they're there for my stories and they're there for my jokes and all that stuff. And then as soon as, I mean, I would say probably even at this point, geez, like 60% of the people following me on Twitter don't give two shits about anything I've done other than Sonic. And like, that's fine. Like it, mm. that that's always been something that, it never really dinged my ego that should I walk away from Sonic today, there goes half the people that ever cared about me. Like it, it doesn't phase me. Um, cause it, they're, mm -hmm. that's their right. Like, right. They don't like me. They like Sonic and they like what I do with Sonic and that's totally fine. Um, sure. There's been creators that I've liked what they've done with one thing and then not their next thing. And like, that's, that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're not sure we're not, um, in a deeper relationship than that. And I think that's, there's uh, that's a healthy way of looking at it. Um, but yeah. I do think that I became very, very aware of, of who was following me and for what. And I think uh, a kind of wall went up where I thought one, now it's a lot of kids, which was something that mm. I really had to pivot to was, was before sure. Sonic, I was doing stuff that was not like adult, but it was, you know, adult swim level of adult, I guess, right? It's like sure, for, sure. for teens or whatever. But I would I, I swore and I I you know would tell a dirty joke every now and then. Um and mm. uh when when kids started following me, like I immediately just I had to take responsibility for that, I guess, right? Like yeah. I I didn't mm -hmm. want any kid to follow me and then like I would say something off color and then they would be like, Oh, am I supposed to be here? Or like, what if like their, their parents read their Twitter feed and they're like, who is this that you're following? And like, this is the Sonic guy. Oh my God. Like, he's just right, like, right. this is so awful. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like that really just shut me up real quick where it's like, now I basically live in kids media space. Um, and, mm, yeah. and there are a lot of uh, creators that I think, just keep being themselves. And I, there's, I don't hold that against them at all. Like I'm, uh, I envy them that they don't feel that the pressure, but like I have it in my mind that so many of the people that are following me are following me for kids media or kids friendly media. Um, and I mm. have to reflect that because I, I just don't want to upset any kids, I guess. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is again, weird because it was never a place that I felt like I wanted to end up. Um, I, I still mm. feel like the jokes I want to tell necessarily or the stories I want to tell aren't necessarily um, kid level stuff. But uh, I, I guess the older I get too, the more I look back at stuff that inspired me and it makes me want to create stuff on that level. Um, mm. Because when, when you work in kids media for long enough, you realize how hard it is to get anything of substance out the door it's like i I, mm. I feel like there's a lot of cartoons now where you know uh creators are putting their their personal thoughts and their personal spins and their emotions into things in a way that's been um not not done 
very well over the past like 30 years or so but in, in a lot of ways mm. it's also becoming much more sanitized and it's like you you want to fight for things that say or you want to fight to be able to make things that say something and it's sure. it's really really hard uh like 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 Disney has some like good kids shows coming out that that say some good stuff and like there's there's your Steven universes of the world and stuff but I guess um Mm-hmm. For every one of those shows where a creator is really getting to speak their heart and, and say something, there's just a hundred other shows where it's just nothing. Um, and, <laughs> sure, you know, and, and I don't know. I guess I look back at stuff when when we were growing up. Like our kids' media was was much um, more bold, if also not mm. dealing with its own restrictions at the same time. But I guess you know when I look back and we think of what kids movies were when we were kids that was stuff that was like spielberg stuff was kids movies right which is Mm, um like goonies was like a kid's movie right like like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. is stuff that you just you could not do and sell as a kid's movie nowadays right like i i feel like kids are probably watching stranger things right for example um sure but they are not making that for kids Right. right. Like if if someone if the guys that are making Stranger Things said, I want to make this show for kids and it's going to be like all of this, like they never would have been able to make Stranger Things the way it is. Right. Like with the violence mm. or all that stuff. Um, like you right. have to make right. it as like a nostalgia piece and then say it's like it's Spielbergian and that's how they, they make it. It's like it's for all audiences, but kids are the ones that are really probably like falling in love with that stuff. And like. Uh, this is kind of turning into word salad. Uh, I'm trying to like, like put my my thoughts together a little bit. But I guess I just no, I, no, no, no. Like I look back at, at this stuff, like the movies that really stuck with me as a kid, and there are so many moments that I just know can't fly when you try and make mm. it now. Um, sure, it's it's just so much more strict. Um, even like in, in Sonic stuff, where it's just like, man. I want to be able to do this emotional beat or, or do this joke. And it's just like at every chance you're shot down. It's like, no, kids don't, kids don't get that. That's too dark for kids. And everybody's like, but it's not like, it, it's really not. Kids right. are really, they're smart and they're, they're learning and they need to be introduced to concepts in safe spaces where they can process them. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, I, I just, I, I want to fight for good media for kids. Um, and so that's why I, I, can end up sticking around in this this world um but i think mm. like as i'm doing that i'm also like self-sanitizing myself on twitter and uh mm. maybe that makes me a hypocrite i don't know <laughs> i don't think that, i don't think so at all i think um you know you look at shows like uh steven universe and all these shows that the ones that are like affecting positive change and really being bold but it's mm-hmm. you know you also you then hear about all the behind the scenes the struggle to right. do so like you know all the executives were in their way to uh basically not let them do any of that right. you know this and despite despite all that is what makes those shows so special right uh i mean you know i'm sure i know i know it's like a mixed there's it's always going to be a mixed bag mm-hmm. i think every i think every success is always going to be a mixed bag right. right so it's like you know I imagine for you, or not I imagine, I'm sure for you, like, you know, getting to work on official Sonic shit mm-hmm. was a dream, you know, it was a dream of yours, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Uh, is that fair to say? <laughs> you know, I, you know it, it I'm is familiar. An, it's, it's funny because it, it is and it isn't. Um, like, I have always mm. been 
a huge Sonic fan, like just unwavering sure. even through all like the years where everyone said everything was bad and like Sonic, like, you know, how could you like Sonic? And like you bring them up and you get laughed at. It's like, like it never stopped me from liking Sonic. And like, um, but at the same time, I never viewed it as an option. Right. I think like every kid, mm. you know, like when you're like 12 or, or, or that kind of age and you think, man, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to work for Square Enix, you know, or I'm going to work for Sega. Like every kid says that. Sure. Right. And then you get older and you realize like, oh, that's basically impossible. I guess I'll do something else. Um, like right. I, I did not set my sights on this career path. It was um, mm. like through very fortuitous circumstances, like offered to me and I was in a position to take it up. And then mm -hmm. from there, um, I became, oh man, how to tell this story without being too incriminating. I was put into this position to, to do this thing that should not have been able to be done, which is mm -hmm. make Sonic cartoons um, for, sure. for like Sega internally, right? Like it, it hadn't been mm -hmm. done before because it shouldn't be, like it's an albatross of a project, I guess. Like it shouldn't be able to fly is, mm -hmm. is how it worked out. It was like we, we made... Um, the Sonic Mania intro, we made Sonic Mania Adventures for just um, an amount of money that if you put in front of any seasoned cartoon maker would get you laughed out of the building, right? But like w we made it work because sure. um, just coincidentally, you know, I was the person that they asked to do this stuff. And whenever anything went wrong, I was yeah. luckily I had the skill set where I could take over any part of the production and pick it up where the, the money fell out basically. So if... Mm. If we had a shot that needed reanimating, but we didn't have the money to get an animator on it, I would reanimate it. If we needed uh, compositing to be done, I could composite it. If we needed sound design to be done, I could do that. Sure. Like, it, it put me in this position where it's like Sega, you know, would, would keep coming back to me because it was just, man, like you'd have to hire five other people to fill my position. And it's just like, we'll just keep mm. working together because it's, it's working like that. Um, but like... That, that all happened just by circumstance really it's like again i didn't apply for this position i, I wasn't thinking i'm gonna grow up and work for sonic and i'm gonna keep making sonic stuff until they notice me and, and all that stuff it was like like i've always loved sonic but i've always been more interested in telling my original stories first and, and foremost um mm. and i think that's where a lot of people get lost that want to do what i'm doing now where it's like People that love Sonic so much that all they do is draw Sonic and all they do is create Sonic-based stuff. Um, it's like in a way that's inhibiting because it uh, it limits your scope of what you can bring to Sonic, right? It's like um, for for any mm -hmm. franchise, I think like if even if I was working on like a Ninja Turtles or something like that, like and I was hiring someone that like or I was looking for the creator that I wanted to write my next Ninja Turtle story uh, or my next Smurf story, hell, sure. any franchise. It's like I'm gonna look for someone that is writing something unique to them because I want to see what that mm. spin on Sonic looks like, right? Like if I see someone making Sonic stuff that is like super authentic, it almost could be official like Sonic stuff. It's like, like they, they, they have that inside already, right? Like I, that, that doesn't really mm. necessarily do anything for me. Like I want to see what this person and what their life um, and their experiences and their personal spin can do to improve this thing that I'm in charge of. Um, and I think that's that's how I ended up in my position where it's like I wasn't necessarily doing a lot of Sonic stuff online um, 
or, or drawing Sonic a lot even is like, but I was proving myself to be someone that was gonna follow through, right? Like if you asked me to, to do something. And so yeah, it's like, yeah. that is what got me the offer. And the Sonic stuff was just like, as, as stuff kept going, they realized, oh, we don't have to hold his hand on Sonic stuff, which is something I think when you're a licensor, whenever mm. you hire someone, you're just like notes, 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 notes. Like they're getting everything wrong. Like they're, they're drawing this wrong. They don't know this thing about the character. They don't know this part of the backstory. It's like, um, you know, when they hired me, it was like, they realized they don't have to give notes anymore. It's like, wow, this is really. So they didn't know at all about your Sonic background? Uh, not not by all? the time I got offered the Sega stuff. So like the, 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 let's wow. see, the sequence of events here was. Um, so I, I had, have you seen those old Sonic meme comics that I did a long time ago? Um, okay. The mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, I'd print those up as a lark when I got my boxer hockey books printed up, it was like the printer asked if I just wanted to throw a mm-hmm. little mini comic on there. Cause it would be cheaper to print them all uh, at once. I was like, sure. I'll print these. Why not? They're kind of popular. It's like six pages. I'll give them away at conventions. Sure. Um, so I printed a bunch of those up. Um, and there was an artist named John Gray, who was working on the Archie Sonic comics. Um, great guy. And uh, mm. at a convention, he was over at the Archie booth and I was running my own booth for boxer hockey. Um, and he came by and said, hi. And he said, hey, you should come over and um, say hi to the Archie people. You know, it's like if you ever wanted to like do something with us, that might be fun. I said, oh, sure. Why not? Like, again, n- none of this was ever on my trajectory, right? Like my, my trajectory was always sure, I'm going to do sure. my own thing and just hell or high water it's gonna work out or i'm gonna end up homeless right like that was all i ever wanted to do but Mm. like you know whenever somebody says hey maybe you should try this i'll be like okay (laughs) put a you put a shiny thing in front of me i guess Mm. i'll bat around for a little while um so i I went over to the archie booth and i just handed over one of his little sonic meme comics as a joke um and they thought it was funny and then from there they saw the rest of my portfolio and said oh you know would you like to do a cover for sonic comics uh, and I said, sure, that'd be really mm. actually like a childhood dream come true. Again, not one that I ever would have thought to pursue because I I don't ever think that highly of myself um, to think I'm good enough for something. Like usually somebody has to offer it to me and then I'll, I'll show up for it. But like I... I guess the better way to phrase it is like if childhood me knew about this, he'd fucking freak out. Not like a necessarily a Right. I mean, yeah, it's that. like when I was doing it, I was like right. super excited for it. I was like, oh wow, like this is my own Sonic comic cover. I'm going to do this one and I'm going to put it on my wall and I'm just going to put that little notch on my bedpost and then uh, get on with my life. And like, that was really all there was to it. Sure. Um, But, uh, you know, the cover went over well and they asked me to keep coming back and doing more covers. um, And uh, those kept going well. And then they asked me to do the uh, interiors on some issues and then eventually the interiors on the Sonic Mega Drive comic, which was like the, this classic reboot comic that um, had been the first classic Sonic styled thing that uh, they'd done in a long time. And that went over really well. Um, uh, and I think it was like, that was the first Archie book that they ever had to reprint because it sold so well, um, which is, is not wow. something that I even attribute to myself uh, or, or, you know, people that created the book. It might've been, who the hell knows? It might just be because people really like classic sonic right and i think like when they see classic sonic they see a version of him that is unburdened by the weight of uh the stumbles along the way um but like for whatever reason it sold really well 
And um, Sega asked me to come to the 25th anniversary party where they revealed Sonic Mania and Sonic Forces. Um, and uh, they had me like sign some of the books uh, just like just to be there. And I was like, again, not thinking anything of it. It's like, I'll go and I'll sign some comic books and that'll be great. And then um, the social media manager, and I'm, I'm not going to name any names here because I don't want to put anyone on a particular blast, um, but which is all just difficult because mm -hmm. I also want to give them credit. But, you know, um, but the social media manager asked, uh, you know, about getting involved in uh, uh, basically a commercial for Sonic Mania since they had just announced it there. Um, and it was like, we want to do like a 2D animated mm -hmm. commercial, you know, kind of something like the old Sonic CD intro, just something that hadn't been done in a long time. Um, and he said, I know you animate mm. and, and you obviously, you know, you can draw Sonic and, and, you know, all this stuff, you want to take a crack at it. Um, and, uh, that was how the process started. And then just internally as checkpoints, uh, kept being reached, it's just like, it was just going really well. And so, uh, it was reconfigured to, instead of being a commercial, uh, let's turn it into the intro for the game, actually. And so that made it a little bit longer. And we added mm. some new scenes and stuff to tie it in a little bit further. Um, and uh, this is all thanks to, you know, um, the hard work of, there's a studio called Studio Yada who did um, a lot of our animation, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. cleanup and stuff. Um, but it was also me animating alongside them. I think like 90% of all Sonic shots were, were done by me. Um, and then uh, Yada handled mm. most of the other characters and the cleanup and stuff. Um, and then uh, my friend Brady uh, helped uh, Brady Hartel. He composited it all, and, you know. So, I mean, mm. it, was, it was a group effort, but like really we put it all together. I, I didn't make any money on that by the end of it. Like all, all the money mm. that Sega gave me went to Yada and I was just kind of doing this, not thinking about the payday at all. It was really just like, man, uh, I'm getting to make a, sure. a Sonic intro uh, I'm just going to do it. And if I come out of this destitute, so be it. It's like, but I, I have to do this, right? Like you don't turn down an opportunity like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, I, again, yeah. I, I did that thinking this isn't going anywhere. Uh, I'm just going to do this. And again, I'm going to put that notch on my post and think that was great and go on with my life. Um, but it ended up going so well um, that, uh, you know, they asked me to come in and do cartoons uh, internally and that Sega has never done cartoons internally um, before that point. Right. So it's wow. like, I think this is one of those situations where it was just like, well, this thing that you did worked, do you want to do it again? And me being uh, a fool said, well, I, of course I do. <laughs> it's like, do, do I have the resources? <laughs> sure. uh, maybe not, but I guess you asked me, so I guess I'll do it. Um, so, you know, we went in and we made main adventures, which uh, I think looks um, really great for for what it is but i think also it um people don't quite understand just how much of a miracle is that it looks good at all mm. like the 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 budget that that yeah. thing was made on um was something much much closer to um something that was supposed to be like animated sprite comics basically it was like it was supposed to be something very, sure. very simple, very basic. Like the, our original, when we were kicking around ideas, was like, well, we what can we afford? We can afford to do some like black and white stuff. Like maybe even it's just, it's all pencil test kind of looking stuff where it's just sketches and, um, you know, more simple stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and then it's just like me being the way I am was like, no, we have to make this a real cartoon. Give all the money to the animation studio and I'll just do all the rest. <laughs> Because right, like that's the only way that we could afford it was you know we we can't hire 
um, a bunch of internal artists and we can't hire a bunch of um, crew that you need to make a full cartoon. Uh, but we, if we have, if we take all the money mm -hmm. we have and we give it to the animation studio, we can afford the animation at least. Right. Um, and so it's just mm -hmm. like, uh, I end up doing, you know, five to 10 people's jobs for less than what I could have been if I just had stayed at Nickelodeon. Um, but it's like, I did it because mm -hmm. it's like, again, opportunities like this don't come along. I, I have to do this. Right. It's like, I of love course. Sonic and like, what right. kind of fool would I be if, uh, I was offered to make a Sonic cartoon and I just said no, just because the money wasn't that great. Um, and, but again, you know, these things, mm. they, they keep working out. Um, and this is, this is not me saying that like Sega's, um, stiffing me on the bill or anything like that. It was like, I, I repeatedly put myself in a position to be like, I will, I will take no money or less money um, if you let me do this, basically. Because <laughs> the, mm, the other option was right. that it just didn't happen. And and that was like, it, truly, it, it wasn't sure. like if I, if I say no, um, someone else is going to get this and they're going to make something bad or whatever like that. It was like, if I didn't say I will do this, it's just like, it wasn't going to happen, period. Um, and right. so, uh, like for any shortcomings that those shorts have, it's like, uh, it's still, it's this position. It's like, man, we, we truly did miracles to make that stuff happen. Um, just for, to give fans like a little yeah. free cartoon on YouTube. Um, and it's like, I, I can never <laughs> look back at that and think anything other than, um, every, every single person involved in every one of these projects deserves a world of credit because it was just stuff that, again, we, we did it because we love Sonic and we just wanted to do something that we hope people would like and there was really no uh there was no like ladder climbing aspects or like none of it was like we're we're gonna keep getting bigger and bigger and then doing more and more stuff it was just like this is our one shot so let's let's do something fun for people um and it just you know it ended up paying off and uh people liked it yeah i mean i it really shows through through the work how passionate you all were on it like because it, it not only does it look so good but it's clearly so much mm -hmm. love is put into it and uh, uh i mean kind of hearing sort of your your sort of story and journey uh while we're kind of wrapping up here it, it just goes to show i think you know for a lot of people that i a lot of people that i meet it's uh in the creative in, in creative industries it's just sort of like a strong work ethic and just sort of this idea of, you know, a lot of people ask, like, how do you get, how do you get into this? How do you get into this? And it's a lot of it is just, you know, building a reputation for yourself of being a good person to work with or hire or whatever and just going at it, you know, and also uh, something that I uh, tend, you know, when you, like you said, you're presented with an opportunity and it's like, even though you may not know, oh, am I the best person for this? But it's like, well, I gotta, right. I still gotta try it, right? And I definitely can relate to that on on several levels of, you know, sometimes I've been offered something where I'm like, God, I've never mm -hmm. done that before. And I never envisioned that ever being presented right. to me, but uh, I mean, I'm just gonna go for it. And go for it and, you know, I try my best and... Uh, it usually has worked out, fortunately, but it's you know it it, it takes uh, it takes you know guts right. to do that. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, so I think uh, yeah, even though you may have this sort of 
not mixed, but this feeling of like, oh, not you know, he didn't necessarily uh, expect to go into kids media. It's like you're right. making good shit. <laughs> you're making good well, shit, you. and that is that is really a yeah. But it, you know, as you, I'm sure you know, how hard it is mm-hmm. to make good shit yeah. in this realm. Uh, that's the thing is, uh, I, just know that that's a, it's appreciated. I, I, I truly wish like th- there's no way to really understand it unless you're you're in it. Right. And that's the thing I, I wish so much that I could mm. communicate clearer and more honestly with people, like just just how hard it is to get something out the door that is the way you want it to yeah. be. You know, uh, I think like people people look mm. at a title like director and they think, oh, well, that guy directed it. So he got to do whatever he wants. And it's like, fuck no, <laughs> like, man, not even close. <laughs> it's like. I especially when it's on a licensed thing like Sonic, I've never been able to do with Sonic what I want to be able to do with Sonic. Like Mania Adventures was maybe the closest mm. thing that I want to do for that particular project, but it's like I, I want to make sure. a, an anime like with Sonic where big cool things are happening and like stakes are at play and it's like dramatic and like Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 are like my gold standards for sonic stories and like that's the kind of stuff i want to be involved in um but like you know we're making youtube Mm. cartoons for pennies so it's like we can't do that kind of stuff right like when when it's when i'm the director of of something it's like i'm i'm doing my best version of what i'm allowed to do with this thing but like no director is fully in charge of his project that's ridiculous like of course not only like even if it's mm-hmm. a director who's directing a version of a story they wrote you know and it's not a licensed thing it's like you're still dealing with producers and you're still dealing with studio heads and you're still dealing with executives and like there's a, a thousand people above the head of a director that are stopping him from necessarily you know for better or worse doing yeah. what uh they want to do and it's just i think uh-huh. credit is it's such a weird thing from the outside until you've been on a production where it's like you you look at a, a credit given to someone and you think oh that's what they did but it's like it never works out to be that simple mm. like on i'm not gonna give any details here because i get fired but like there are there are giant decisions on the sonic movies <laughs> that were like handled by people whose names you'll never know and there are great decisions. Um, and there are sure. also some decisions that I don't think are great that will handle by people whose names no one will ever know. It's like like giant things mm. uh, are, are happening behind the scenes um, that just uh, are completely hidden from view. But one person gets the credit for doing it. And that's just the way it's, mm. it's got to be to simplify it, right? Like I wrote some jokes on the sure. first Sonic movie, right? I don't get credited for that. Like my mm. my my title mm. is Sonic designer on the first movie, and like that's that's fine. Like that's the way it it works out. But like like when someone's a director or anything like that, I think people are so quick to assume that this is exactly what they wanted to do, and it's it's just not yeah. that that simple. And uh, mm. yeah, how did I get started on this? Um, <laughs> 
No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, as you know, online especially take production right, yeah. for granted. They think everything right. is so easy and so like, oh, why right. didn't they do this or why did they do this? And so, and when you're involved in the creative process of anything, you you become more sympathetic to just how difficult it right. is to get shit made. And I, I could, I think I could just keep talking, <laughs> but uh, I think I think this is a good place to wrap up. Sure. But before uh, before we do so, first off, thank you again for. Uh, taking the time to sit down. I, I uh, really enjoyed this chat. And, Me too. Um, yeah, and also, uh, where can people find you? Um, well, you can uh, go to my barely used Twitter account, <laughs> if that uh, is what you want to do. <laughs> uh, it's just at my name. It's just at Tyson Hess, H-E-S-S-E. I anticipate one day getting back to Twitter. Like, if there's a day in the future where I leave Sonic behind and I'm doing personal projects again, I feel like that's when I'll get back to Twitter and start using it as a mouthpiece again. Mm, I think um, sure. until that day comes, I, I feel like uh, I am just going to be the Sonic guy for a little while. And uh, while that's mm. happening, I have to kind of present myself as a Sonic person and and not say anything too out of bounds for, for what's expected sure. of a kid's franchise. Um yeah, but uh, yeah. One day, hopefully, I'll get back to being able to draw pictures and post them <laughs> and, and have fun on Twitter again. Yeah, well, I as as someone who thinks your shit's great, I look forward to that happening. Like, and also, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to say I don't think what you're doing right now is great. I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. rad as fuck. So Thanks. basically, I'm just I'm just glad that you've been doing well this whole time and oh, yeah. very excited to see what you have in the future thank you uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely I, I cannot complain about my my situation like uh-huh. everybody wants you know uh, to do something else and they have their further sights but like i truly uh, i i feel like i i gotta be if not the luckiest guy in the world one of them like truly mm. um who who wouldn't trade uh their position to be doing the kind of crazy stuff i'm doing right now it's, it's yeah. really nuts so I'm very grateful for for the people that put me here. Nice, yes. All right. Well, thank you again. This has been this has been fun. Thank you. <laughs>